in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I am Brian McKitty. I'm sitting to the left of the auspicious Glenn Stansberry. Brian, that's a five dollar word. It's a uh, it's a term uh, that means uh, signifying success. <laughs> now that you're talking about me, right? Is there someone else I should someone else here that I you thought it was somebody else or? Look, I uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to drum up my PR firm business. Oh. And um, it's a little side business I have. And, um, you know, I felt like this was a good opportunity to get your name out there in front of some people and uh, wow. really, you know, put your wow. best foot forward there. Thanks, Brian. Uh, I'll send you a bill for that, mm. the consulting fee, later on after the show. I felt like this would cost me somehow. Well, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, the, the bill will be forthcoming heretofore. Um, so. Okay. We'll get back to that. But uh, in the meantime, enjoy your newfound uh, publicity. T- title? Bump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think well, that, thank you. you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see some results from this, I feel like. Good. Just don't look too hard. Okay. I, I won't. And um, should be fine. Uh, speaking of auspiciousness. I think it was speaking of not looking too hard. <laughs> uh, we don't have to look too hard to find a site called gentleman.com because it's all over the internet. That's right. Um, Here, there, and everywhere. And it's a, it's a successful, it's a signifying success if you go over to Gentleman. It's like wearing a three-piece suit if you go over to Gentleman.com. It's like, it's like getting mentioned in the wedding section of the New York Times. Exactly. Uh, hard, hard to do. It's, uh, you know, not easy for people to do. No. And you can be one of those people, those special people, <laughs> that go over to Gentleman.com and peruse things and click things. <laughs> Only the cream of the crop. That's right. Click things and do things on Gentleman.com. But we're speaking to the choir here because... Yeah. You know, right? We're preaching to the converted. The, this, pff, you, well, we could be. We hope that everybody's converted to the religion of gentlemen. Five hundred one C Corporation. Uh, no. Um, so anyway, Glenn, we're getting off track. Uh, what Ooh. I wanted to say was that you should go over to gentlemen.com. Mm-hmm. It's really not a religion, but if we were making more money, maybe it was would be because right tax free. That is that is true. Tax free. Um, the taxes. So there's we, other benefits, I think. Yes. People wouldn't question our motives? No. Uh, yeah. I so, think. Uh, anyway, well, we're, we're going to work on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll get to work on that. But in the meantime, what you can do to put your best foot forward uh, is go over to gentleman.com. And uh, if you really want to be looked favorably upon, mm-hmm. you could go over to podcast.gentleman.com and listen to all 97 episodes from back to front. <laughs> that just sounds so awful. <laughs> I think that's it's it's only a commitment of 120 hours of your time. So that's not, that's not too bad. If you break that up over several days, go to work three weeks. Three, yeah, eight hour days. Yep. Just uh, you know, eight a.m. In go in in a month. Yep. You'll be ca- all caught up on the gentleman podcast. Sure. And that's with some you know wiggle room there, some breathing. Yeah, room. exactly. You could take a break, mm-hmm. get up and stretch your legs, mm-hmm. provided that you have your ear pods. Yeah. In and listening to general podcasts, yeah, you know, breaks are welcome, yeah. Um, and uh, the, the great thing about podcast.gentleman.com, Glenn, is after they listen to all 97 episodes, they can go click through 
the breakdown of all the episodes that they just listened to, and they can find the beers that we, uh, the beers that we rated, and the MTS yes. computer rated, and uh, the links from the episode, mm-hmm. interesting anecdotes, mm-hmm. uh, funny tales, yes, yeah, hard hitting facts. Uh, it's really a treasure trove of information. Um, but everybody out there probably already knows because they're deep dive that they've right. already taken into podcast.gmail.com. And then also I want to mention, I just want to put this out there. You can put a letter in the mail to the gentleman mailbag and me and Glenn will get the letter. Mm-hmm. We will, uh, we'll talk about the letter on the gentleman podcast. First of all, second of all, we'll put it up on the hall slash wall of fame, which we know as the wall of fame. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will, uh, you know, send you something back mm-hmm. for sending us a letter. Uh, and uh, what that is, no one knows. A small token. It's a token. Of our appreciation. Some kind of token. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's going to be. It depends on the tone of the letter. You know? Is it a gold token? I Yeah. Is it a golden ticket? You uh, get to tour the gentleman factory. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I don't know. No one knows. Only a select few people know. Well, actually, a lot of people know. That send us all the letters. <laughs> I just... Save some for later. I want it now. <laughs> um, but anyway, you can do that by sending a letter to the P.O. Box 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044. This is the Gentleman Mailbag Mailbox. And we will get your letter, and we will go through the uh, the process with it that I just described. Yes. That's a 100% money-back guarantee described process that mm-hmm. I'll go through. So anyway, department. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so get in touch with us that way, or you can send us an email if you prefer. If you are a member of gentleman.com, if you're one of the lucky few, mm-hmm. then or the lucky many, maybe, um, then you can go to the parlor and post a question uh, into, you know, pretty, pretty regularly. I'm going to put a post out there that says questions from the gentleman mailbag. That's where yeah. you post your questions to the gentleman mailbag. And people are catching on. It's happening. It's happening. It's all happening. It is. Um, I don't know how I feel about this digital thing, Brian. We had a great thing going with the letters. I know. It's all about analog. Um, I don't have anything tactile. Oh, no. You know, I just can't really put as much Well, mm, you, know, when, it, you know, when somebody posts something to the questions from the gentleman mailbag to the parlor, yes. it's like we, we think about it for like two seconds. If somebody oh. sends us a letter, mm-hmm. you and I, you know, we go off into our respective areas. We go, you know, sit back. We yeah. think yeah. for days on what we're going to, we're going to mm-hmm. ruminate on what we're going to talk mm-hmm. about. And then we talk about it. Yeah. We put a lot of time and effort into it, just like somebody put a lot of time and effort into writing us that letter. So that's food for thought. If you're trying to decide which one you're going to go, just saying. Yeah. Letter never hurts. That's right. It only helps. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, that means uh, it's time to get into the media episode, which is the drink of the week this week. <sighs> Finally, Brian, we get that that uh, housekeeping out of the way. Yeah, I'm thirsty. That uh, took a while. You're probably parched. I am. Um, so, as everyone knows, Oktoberfest. Right around the corner. Yeah, it's, it's here. If it's not already happened, maybe? I, I don't know. Mm. The exact timeline, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But, boy, does this beer look good. Yeah, it does. Uh, we have with us today a lovely, beautiful, golden Hofbrau Oktoberfest. I'm a big fan of this. I am. Just the, the, just the packaging. Yep. It, it's very good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's very good, uh, well marketed. Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, and also in Hofbrau, they have the rock dots over the A. So you know it's like a legit German. Mm. That's how you know. The umlauts. It's like, it's like uh, Queensryche. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so the Hofbrau Oktoberfest. Uh, a little thing. So I was I was like, okay, I'm at the liquor store. I got to get an Oktoberfest because that's that's what's going on right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind of walked by this one. 
And um, uh, on the side, I didn't pay any attention to the front of the box. Right. <clears throat> and on the side, there is a, a little thing that says the original brew of Bavarian Kings. Right. And I said, this is the one. Well, I'm I'm not gonna get something from Colorado. What's good for the geese is good for the ganders. I always think. I I think the geese are doing just fine. Exactly. Uh, so uh, we have the Hofbrau Oktoberfest. A little background on the company, uh, Brian. They've been around longer than we've had a country. Right. 1589. Mm-hmm. They start 1589. Hold on one second here. Let me just make sure. Get my numbers right. Now that would have been 1589. A year after the Spanish Armada. Interesting. Yes. Wow, Brian, that's... Wow, that's a handy bit of information there. 1588 was the Spanish Armada. Just nice. Just throwing same. it out there? Yeah, well, that, that would have been going on around the same time that they founded the, the brewery. And, yeah. Well, let me just... That's that's great. Uh, you're quite popular at parties, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Most interesting man in the world. <laughs> Brian McKinney. Um, so, a little, little background, just a quick little snippet. Uh, Wilhelm V... Or five? Ten. Five. Wilhelm, the Duke of Bavaria, mm-hmm. from 1579 to 1597, had a thirsty and demanding household. Mm. They were dissatisfied with the beer brewed in Munich, as one would be. Yeah. And so beer had to be imported from the town of Einbeck in Lower Saxony. Hmm. Wilhelm, you know, ordered his... Uh, he, he wanted to think about ways of uh, reconciling the cost and pleasure. <laughs> Whatever that I like means. this guy. And on September 27th, 1589, his chamberlain and counselors... Oh man. Uh, Chamberlain Strabel, A. Eisenmeyer, S. Prue, and G. Greismeyer submitted a suggestion why not build a brewery? And so they did. Wilhelm was delighted. <laughs> and with the idea, and on the very same day, exclamation point, recruited the brewmaster of Geisenfeld Monastery. Hammeron Pongrass. And see, that's what these people in the States are doing wrong. They're not getting monks. See, I wonder what his recruiting pitch was. Right. That's true. Uh, you know the celibacy Do thing? you like to live? <laughs> Good. Come work for me. I have, you know, an estate. Right. With... I think he, I think he probably made an offer he couldn't refuse. Yeah. Well, whatever he said, it worked, and Geisenfeld, uh, oh, I'm sorry, and Heimeron Pongras uh, decided to come and supervise the construction of the new Ducal Brewery. Okay. Hofbrau House. Mm. And he was the first master brewer. So, that was happening before um, the pilgrims even had a twinkling in their eye to come to the States. Yeah. Anyway, that that's, out of the that's way. A, that's a good history lesson there, Glenn. This is a little bit different than the uh, the first craft brewery in Vermont, right. you know, like that we normally get. Yeah, uh, this has got some history behind it. Uh-huh. So a little, little meteor, a little teeth. A yeah. little teeth of history. Um, anyway, so their Oktoberfest mm-hmm. um, is an absolutely natural product brewed with pure water, the best quality malt, and exquisite hops. And they brew this particularly for the Oktoberfest the actual festival, the festival in Munich. Right. Okay. I don't know if it's served there. I, I don't know what, what, you know. I would think so. I would, I would think, think so. so. I mean, so... So the, this is a taste of Oktoberfest for really real. Uh, yeah, and on the packaging, they have... They're depicting a scene from what I gather is Oktoberfest. A real Oktoberfest scene. Um, with someone serving Oktoberfest beer. hmm So... In Munich. So... Uh, yeah. So, okay. Well, anyway... Um, this is a 6.3% alcohol. Uh, I have no... I looked all over. I can't figure out how many hops are in it, but I'm guessing it's... Brian. <laughs> I up here, Brian. Uh, I'm guessing I'm guessing the hops are low. 
Yeah. Like other things. Right. And, um... Oops. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so... <laughs> I'm distracted now, too. Hops are low. This is okay. terrible radio, Brian. Yep. The hops are low. It's... How's the uh, price? 6.3% alcohol. Okay. And the price was nine ninety nine. Ooh. A little, a little, a little high. A little high. But, but I'm going to let it go. This is the beer of kings. Yeah. Varian kings. And they, you know... <laughs> They have great marketing packaging. They, marketing. they know how to sell it. Okay, Glenn. Well, if you had to... Well, I'm going to get ahead of myself here. I'm getting all <laughs> flustered. Uh, I haven't even opened these yet. And uh, Yeah, well, thank you, sir. Yeah. $15.89. All right, let's uh, drink these down. Mm. Cheers. Cheers, my man. To Oktoberfest. To Oktoberfest. Interesting. Ooh. It's a Man. little uh, sweeter. It's, uh, sweet? Is it sweet? It's a little different. You know, it's very... Very crisp. Very Germany. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit... Um, it's kind of like a Grolsch. If you've had a Grolsch, but sweeter. Yeah. And, I'm surprised uh, it's 6.3% alcohol because it just doesn't really taste like it. Well, if you look at the packaging, Brian, I think it's surprising everyone how much alcohol is in this beer. I'm surprised. Because. Yeah. Um, anyway. <sighs> uh, <laughs> um, okay, Glenn. Well, let's see. Um, Man. We've tasted the Oktoberfest from Hofbrau. What, what, what kind of a arbitrary rating would you ascribe to this beer? I have tasted and I've seen. Well, okay. So we got, we got a high price point. Low, malt, or low hops, which is good. The mustache twist scale are proprietary mm-hmm. uh, patent pending uh, software that crunches these numbers. Yeah. Uh, likes low hops. And this has very low hops. Mm-hmm. I would probably say 15, 20, somewhere in that area. Maybe 25? Yeah, something like that. Um, so that's good. Uh, it's crisp. It's refreshing. It would go great at a festival, I would assume. Um, I really like it, actually. Mm, okay. I really do. Um, a lot of times, like if you have, I like Grolsch mm-hmm. uh, a good deal. And the thing with Grolsch is that sometimes it kind of catches you. It's not skunky, but it's kind of like, yeah, ah, it's a little catches weird. Catches you a little, yeah. something a little off about it mm-hmm. sometimes. This doesn't have that. Mm. I think I'd have to. I, I think I would give this an 8.3, Brian. 8.3. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I was going to go uh, 8.3. Uh, 8.4, sorry. Okay. 8.4. Wow. wow. And that was, for the first time ever, I took into account the actual marketing materials that they pr- produced for this um, for this fine beverage. We're going to have to scan the box and put and, it in the uh, machine. The MTS. Yeah, in order for the MTS to uh, to really give this a, a, a actual rating, I, I feel like it needs to um, use its uh, artificial intelligence... To intelligently look at the packaging, yeah, of this beer, like we can exactly intelligently. Um, so, Brian, I need to add one more thing. Oh, sorry. On the yeah. Hofbrau website, they do. It's very bare bones. I think it was also made in 1589. It could be. Um, and they have a uh, they have a a very small image that tells me that they got a 93 points and an exceptional rating. By the Beverage Testing Institute. Oh. The BTI. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, uh, we <coughs> talked about all the specifics for this beer. <coughs> we need to imp- we'll input this into the MTS uh, computer, and then we will find out 
the MTS computer is a proprietary mustache with scale computer, which will take all the statistics of the beer um, and spit out an actual uh, spit out an actual rating that is empirically and scientifically provable. Mm-hmm. So, um, Glenn, we said that the uh, alcohol percentage is six point three. Six point three. Yes. Uh, the uh, the price was nine ninety nine. Yes. Um, the uh, IBUs were twenty three. Um, sure. Which we could tell based on our sommelier senses. Yep. Um, Took and, a couple passes. But... And then uh, what else? What else is there? The uh, IBUs. Packaging. Oh, the and and then the uh, the packaging. Brian, you want to take a couple pictures to scan? Some, yes. Some of the best, uh, some of the best and most inventive artwork, artwork uh, that we've seen on any. And I'm going to try to find a picture of the packaging so that I can post it to the podcast so that you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, but but, but anyway. don't look at it at work. It's very, uh, very good. Very good. Uh, okay. So, Glenn, uh, we've, I typed out all that stuff into the, the uh, MTS computer and... I scanned the image in ahead of time, and fortunately, the MTS just picked out a perfect, uh, perfect uh, rating for the uh, Oktoberfest beer. Okay, what? So for, since fifteen eighty nine, this is the first time that this beer has actually been given a real rating. It's amazing. It's true. This is history unfolding right here on the podcast mm-hmm. right now. Uh, and speaking of unfolding, I gotta flip through here and get to the. Uh, page i think it's i'm getting there whoa, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. sorry okay and down. uh okay here we go final page the results say 8.35 8.35 on the mts scale the uh the wow. scale comes through again so um that's a solid rating glenn did you happen to see what the beer snobs uh I had to did. say about this one one second um, here i have it pulled up uh all right beer snobs our friends over at beersnob.com. Uh, <laughs> uh, they underrated this one. Uh, looks like the beer snobs gave it a 78, which means they're complete idiots. It's a, <laughs> it's a they gave it a quote unquote okay. Yeah. Rating. No. Can you uh, clearly they did okay? Not, yeah, come on. This is Let ridiculous. me do, do a quick search of the text here. Nobody's saying anything. Yeah, nobody's saying anything about the packaging. Okay. Well, they didn't, you know. That's they, it's, maybe they're all blind. Maybe it's that's not <sighs> Okay. Well, anyway, Glenn, let's anyway. move on. Let's get to some interesting posts from gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. Sure. Going to make it, Brian? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, first up, I believe this is this member's uh, first time. Yeah, I don't podcast. think we talked about this before. Uh, risk Digger. Risk Taker. Risk Digger. Risk Digger. Risk Digger, which I believe is short for Risk Taker. Mm. Uh, has posted the fastest outlaw in history. I drove from New York to LA in 29 hours. And this is a harrowing tale on the website of bleacherreport.com about um, Ed Bullion, uh, who is a criminal. He's a criminal, Brian. Yeah. Uh, he broke the law many, many times over to break a record. Mm hmm. And this record is um, the the uh, Cannonball Baker Sea to Shining Sea Memorial Day Trophy Dash. That's a hell of a name. It is. But if you've ever seen the movie Cannonball Run, which I've not, I have. But yeah, uh, it's based on that. Okay. And basically, they drive from uh, I believe it is from New York to L.A. Mm-hmm. And uh, they uh, 
it's it's a race. You know, yeah. they got to time themselves and they got to go. Right. And this guy did it faster than anyone before. Mm-hmm. Twenty nine hours was his twenty nine and change was Tw- his time. Right. Uh, no, no, it was 20, under. It was, it was under twenty eight. Just under twenty nine. Yeah. So, and I think the, the the closest to him before that was like thirty. Right around thirty. Oh, right around thirty. I think that was the thirty was the barrier that they yeah. thought could be done. Now the the key to this, Brian, the key to this race is that uh, you have to go really fast to win, mm, right? To break the record, right? And these guys averaged one hundred and ten miles an hour. Averaged one hundred and ten miles an hour. Yeah, that's the average. Uh, uh, that's going through major metropo- metropolitan areas. Uh, that's going through wide open country, right? And I wonder if they hit the 405 in L.A. Uh, probably not. I think that they try to minimize their time on. <laughs> I would in L.A. I would assume so. Uh, that would that would be pretty terrible to drive honking their horn. thirty miles, come on, thirty hours, and then get stuck in traffic in L.A. But anyway, if there's a video uh, on this Bleacher Report article, and they and they interview the guy and his team he had a whole entire team right. that they used and basically mm-hmm. he was a lead driver but they drove uh <laughs> they drove they took they took shifts There's three three people in his car three people driving they took shifts they filled up i think twice yeah and they, they had, had extra gas can they had two extra gas tanks in yeah. the trunk and they had uh crazy uh radar detectors radar detectors radar jammers police radios cbs yeah. uh to listen to police stuff uh, they're they like the modern day uh, three GPS units, and they also had leading and trailing cars. Yes, so they had scouting, s- scouting people going ahead to look for problems, potential speed traps, you know, stuff like that. Construction, um, yeah. So, and, and he, the guy, you listen to the uh, the video where they interview him. He basically talks about how he, you know, it was more about the the figuring out how he could do it as quickly as possible than anything else. Right. Um, it's a cool story. Yeah, and. It's, you know, the guy sounds like he's pretty happy with himself for doing this. Um, I got to say that I'm pretty pissed off about this. Yeah. Because it is really dangerous for other drivers on the road. These are public roads this guy's going on. And he's driving 100. I mean, if he's saying he'd drive 120 miles an hour, that was his top speed. It's probably more like 140 or Uh something like that. That's a dangerous ass speed to be driving (laughs) out on interstates. Well, and you're in a car that you hit a possum at that speed, and yeah. you're taking out everybody. Yeah. And so it's pretty, in my mind, it's pretty selfish for somebody to go out there and do something like this. Yeah. Um, because you're really risking everybody else's life on the road to go do this. So And the people in the car. F that guy. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, I, I get that it's cool to be the number one fastest driver in the country, and, you know... That was a big goal of his and everything yeah. like that. And he sounds pretty pleased with himself for doing it. And I'm glad no one got hurt Yeah, in him doing this. But um, F you, buddy. Seriously. <laughs> don't do not do that. That's messed up, man. Well, and there's there's a lot of people who do this. And he even talks about the risks involved in the video. He's like, I knew there were significant risks like because of the speed they drive. Yeah. If they get caught going that fast, mm-hmm. that's like... At least three months in jail, and he should go to jail for absolutely for it, absolutely. But um, but he didn't get caught. He made it. He made the world record time, and now he's the fastest guy in the world until somebody else until next year averages one thirty. Yeah, on public <laughs> on public interstates. Now you know I was thinking about this. They probably made some good time going through Western Kansas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you could go six hundred miles an hour. One sixty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you could go six hundred miles an hour through Western Kansas, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't even. I don't even know if you, 
you could probably go to sleep and uh, go 600 miles. In, yeah, and it would be fun. You don't even need autopilot. You even wake if you up, went off the road, you would yeah. just drive for hours straight, straight on, and it would be no problem. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're in western Kansas, yeah, that's fine. But any place else in the U.S., I'm not cool with it. Wow. Um, anyway, congratulations to the fastest outlaw in history um, for being a real jerk. So, uh, He's a real a hole. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm talking to you if you're listening to this. <laughs> uh, he did sound like the kind of guy that would probably go to fisticuffs with you, Brian. I'll, t- I'll put any day of the week, <laughs> twice on Sundays. That's right, twice on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Glenn, um, speaking, speaking of Sundays, <laughs> speaking of Sundays, twice on Sundays, uh, this is a post from our good friend, uh, Rizabrak. 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 Razabak. That's right. Um, Razorback. And uh, this is called Mysterious Abandoned Indonesian Church Shaped Like a Giant Chicken. Now, there's some conjecture about whether this is a chicken, a bird, a pheasant, or a duck. But we're going to get into that. Or a dove. We're going to get into that. Um, and this is a, a little story about a man named Daniel Alamshah, who uh, claimed he received a divine message from God telling him to build a church in the shape of a dove. Um, when you see the pictures, it kind of doesn't really look like a dove. It looks like a weird uh, abandoned uh, roller coaster or something. It looked like it should be a ship or something. Um, well, it, yeah, it does. It looks like almost like Noah's Ark or something like that. Exactly. That's what I thought of. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, in the forests of Java, central Java, mm-hmm. um, towering above the trees, there is this abandoned crumbling church, and it's in the shape of a giant chicken. Well, it's a dove. But... Uh, and uh, it's called the Chicken Church by locals. Uh, it's, it attra- it's a big tourist attraction. It, char- it attracts hundreds of people to come take photos of it and see it. And it's it's located in Indonesia. So uh, Me- Mag- Magaling, Indonesia. Um, so and I don't understand how the relation to that with Central Java is. Uh, you know, honestly, I, if I'm going to be honest, I don't have. Um a lot of a lot of uh, geographic skills for yeah. Central Java. Central, okay, I understand. Java area, it's just been but... a couple years for me since I've really studied up on mm-hmm. that, so I'm kind of it's a little yeah. bit mothballed. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so uh, this dude Daniel, I'm just going to call him Daniel, Danielson, or Danny Boy. Um, he says that God talked to him and said, you know, build this thing, make it in the shape of a dove, and so he chose the spot in Indonesia. It was close to his wife's hometown. Uh, it, he with 30 people from the local town, he convinced them to come build this church, and it actually was in operation until the year 2000. Um, and it, it, they built it. Sorry, they built it in the early 90s, um, and <clears throat> it actually worked until uh, 2000. 2000, so about, you know, seven, seven years or something like that. But it did serve a lot of purposes. Um, they at the church. Uh, multi-faith people like it wasn't just uh, one particular faith that came there to right. to worship uh, Christians Muslims Buddhists congregated there uh, they used the lower floors as rehab- rehabilitation facilities for drug addicts children with disabilities and disturbed youths and the mentally ill uh, and also they had to close their doors because of the cost of construction uh, and I assume that means upkeep on the building construction itself. Just hazarding a guess here. Probably the upkeep. Uh, 
it doesn't look like it's been upkept very well. In fact, I don't know who who like actually architected the structure because it was just him and his buddies. Yeah. So yeah, I, it is curious. Uh, there's no like supporting. Uh, <laughs> there's no support beams structures per se. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, also, <clears throat> did did Daniel know what uh, a dove looked like? I mean that that's. I don't know. It doesn't really look like a dove. Really doesn't. I mean, doves have wings, right? Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, Glenn. It I, looks like a hen, kind of like roosting, yeah. kind of getting ready to lay some eggs. Uh, well, I will link up this. this, <clears throat> this. You can see pics of this over at podcast.gentleman.com, where I'll link this up. You can check out pictures of it. It's a weird, weird-looking church. Although, I will say from the ground yeah. up... Yeah, I get where he's going with this. I was like, I'll, and I see it from the ground. I'm like, well, this I would, you know, I could see that. It looks like a pretty cool place to go to church at. Um, the uh, yeah, I I, it, I would like to go see it mm-hmm. if I was in Central Java. Right, I'd be there. Well, you know, next week when you're passing through there or whatever, Jet said, yeah, I just I pass okay. there normally. Yeah, unfortunately, it looks like it's taken on some uh, some uh, urban urban uh, artists, urban artists, mm-hmm. <clears throat> a little graffiti, <clears throat> but. Yeah, it's kind of a cool concept. I I, I like the, uh, the the core. The There's core something thing about just building something. There is just building it. Just you, the, you don't matter. Like it's this guy went for it. Yeah, you know, you got to. He's go like, I don't it. care. Yeah, I'm gonna build a dove shaped church, and that's how it's gonna be. Me and my thirty friends are gonna come build. You know, the chicken church. This guy can build stuff on my property anytime he wants to. Really? Yeah. Send him. I'm gonna send him a telegram. <laughs> Dear Danny boy. Yeah. Interesting. Um, all right, Glenn. Well, let's uh, move on to one more thing from gentlemen from the last couple of weeks. But wait, there's more. That's right. And we're glad you stuck around to listen to this part of the podcast because it is um, it's a good one. This yeah. is a good tack. Uh, posted it's by our good buddy Demon. Good and bad. It's good and bad. It is painful. It is. It's good. I All right. I cried. I hurled. I've never heard of this website before, postgradproblems.com. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of interesting site, but this guy has, on Postgrad Problems, named Will DeFries, the writer, um, he has a column where he had kind of like an ongoing thing where he would scour the New York Times uh, wedding um, wedding section, um, uh, sorry, marriage announcement section, and would find the, the cream of the crop, the creme de la creme, mm-hmm. and... Pick apart these wedding announcements for all their glory. Right. And he says, he claims in the article that he had done, he'd retired this thing, like he wasn't going to do anymore, but he got a ton of emails from people wanting him to resurrect the column for this particular marriage announcements. And he claims that this hipster marriage announcement from the New York Times is the most insufferable yet. Mm. And this guy would know. Yeah. So let's let's be let's dive into this. Um, in case you don't know, the New York Times wedding announcement section is very 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 competitive to get into. I did a little research on my own. Okay, um, you have to submit something, they read it, and you know you either in or you're out. Right. It's you know so mm-hmm. it's a big kind of competitive thing. Okay. Yeah, from the author, the amount of submissions I got dis- expressing reader disdain for this couple was so overwhelming. That I had to bring this series out of retirement and go in on them. Enjoy. Mm. And we will. All right. So let, let's just take a, a snippet from the top. We're not going to do the entire... We're not going to pull apart this entire wedding announcement because it's long. Yeah. We could. 
right. you would listen and you would like it because I read the entire thing through like twice and cried reading this guy's commentary on it. But it sounds too good to be true. It starts off when Nathaniel Peters goes for a walk. He often sings aloud, which may be a genetic trait. His great grandparents were Maria and Georg von Trapp, who founded the Trapp family singers with their children, and whose story was the basis for the sound of music. <laughs> I'm already rolling my eyes over here. My eyes are already full roll. What? All right, let's. <clears throat> who sings aloud when they walk, Brian? Well, in sometimes public I do. Places? Well, okay. You're walking down a crowded street, and you just, and you know, and maybe you got, you know, some uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, you know, you're... Yeah, so Summer Breeze yeah. by Seals and Crops. you feel fine. Right. You know, or... Who's arguing with that? No, nobody. I don't I don't have a problem with him singing. I think it's the, the subject matter of his singing that's the problem. Right. And apparently, this was opera. Yeah, there's no melody in operas, Brian. Um, they don't have melodies. Right. Uh, there's no hook. Well... It continues to say that uh, growing up on Martha's Vineyard, <laughs> Mr. Peters was bookish and interested in existential. existential questions and distinctive clothing from an early age. <laughs> kind of person who wants to wear bright orange shoelaces <laughs> and his fancy dress shoes, <laughs> says Claire Rose, a friend. He's often seen in a bow tie or some kind of hat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. He knows what he likes. That's right. And nothing he likes is run of the mill. That's true. Anyway, the article goes on to describe this quirky little couple about how they, they're both uh, theologians yeah. and uh, debates about theology and philosophical yes. uh, meanderings. But, Brian, but they can also dial it back and make, you know, have friends over and cook dinner listening to Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Yeah. Like so, they're, they're in both worlds. Like both the mere mortals. They are. They're, they're and everything. The super people. So, these guys got it going on. Yeah, right? they they got married at. To, we'll cut to the chase. They got mm-hmm. married at the the family compound. No, the family lodge, the Von Trapp Lodge, in New York. I don't know. They got married somewhere. The the lodge looks pretty awesome. Oh wait, in a church that the uncle built for maybe this occasion. I don't know. I didn't quite yeah. piece that together. I did want to add one thing to this. Yes, Brian. There was one quote here that really stuck out to me, and this was a really good one. Um, said uh, during the year that they were uh, they were courting, um, <clears throat> they created several traditions together. Oh yeah, yeah. Sunday nights were Sherlock. Yep. The popular um, yeah BBC yeah. television. I like Sherlock. Uh, Sunday nights were Sherlock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Downton Abbey. Mm. When those were not on Shakespeare, he said. Plus, they uh, formed a group that gathered regularly at his kitchen table to sing in harmony. And he taught her how to cross-country ski on the trails outside of the Trap Family Lodge in Stowe, Vermont. Much like you and I, Glenn. Uh, you know, on our off nights from the podcast and working on Gentleman.com, we have that harmony group where we sit around the kitchen table and do harmony. I mean, if Sherlock and Downton Abbey's not on. <laughs> Um, How old are these people? I don't know. Oh, they also talk about. Uh, I won't. I won't hit this on the head too much. But they also talk about how um, the first date. Oh right. Uh, they went. How did that go, Glenn? Well, let me tell you, Brian. Let me tell you what happened. Uh, the uh, the groom to be uh, brought along a book. Oh, that's nice. And read it to her under a willow tree. <laughs> it was. Uh, 
I think it was Shakespeare. No, what was it? It was some highfalutin. Okay, see, th- this, I had always been suspicious about this guy. Oh, it was P.G. Woodhouse. British author. Okay. Uh, I'd always been suspicious about this guy up until you mentioned this, and now I'm suspicious of this girl. <laughs> what? Yeah. When somebody on the first date comes and reads to you from a book under a willow tree, <laughs> that's not going to work out too well. Ladies, if there's any of you listening right now, it's never that bad. I think bad. Beyonce wrote a song about this. It's never... <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It's never that bad. Uh, wow. Well, anyway, Glenn. Well, you can... Uh, this, this, is best, this is best served with a uh, cold drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, a manly whiskey, and read through this, and take a breath of relief for uh, being the uh, being the man that you are. Uh, and you can do so by going to podcast.genwood.com. I'll, I'll link up to this thing, and you can go read through the whole thing. It's really um, it really made me feel better about myself. Oh man, I uh, yeah, I, you know, you th- I've never I've never been so happy to not come from a ton of money <laughs> than after reading this. <laughs> You know what I mean? It makes me relieved. <laughs> more money, more problems, Brian. Well, in this you guy's gotta case, become a theologian. In this guy's case, I would say that that is correct. Maybe we did it wrong, Brian. Maybe, no. maybe, maybe I should have. You know, and I hooked my wife. I should have instead of. Gosh, I you never reading. pulled the willow tree reading to a book tour and thing. Not, not reading. No, because something tells me Lynn probably would not have been cool with that. Well, she would have like. Smiled politely exactly. and walked away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's nice. Oh, um, I'll never talk to you ever again. now I'm leaving. Yeah. Uh, exactly. No. So, well, let's <clears throat> uh, And this is an actual... By the way, this isn't like... Brian was worried that this was a spoof. This guy I thought, yeah, like, I thought it was not real. It's a real it's thing. Really he real. links to the actual... This is a... Yeah. On, there's two people that did this. Yeah, it's amazing. This, truly, truly amazing. This is like uh, somebody posted a tag uh, a while back about the uh, Dancing in the Street... Uh, David Bowie and Mick Jagger music video, mm-hmm. and one of the comments was, "We we let this happen, and we, now we can't undo it." <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of how I feel about this. That's how we are. That's where we're at with this. This happened, and there's thing. nothing we can do to right take now. it back. Exactly. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, that means uh, that ends our. T- I'm looking back at the tax from the last two weeks or so. Uh, thanks everybody for posting those uh, great stuff as usual. And now it's time for the gentleman toast this week, Glenn. Ooh. And uh, this week, uh, there's there's some good news mm. for people that like stuff. Oh, do tell, Brian. Uh, I know you like stuff, Glenn. I like stuff. And uh, this is good news for you and me okay. and everyone. Um, Google has a company called Out. Al- well, I'm not quite sure how to help you with that. <laughs> uh, that wasn't talking to you, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, apparently Alexa thought I was talking about it. <coughs> um, so Alphabet uh, has a company called Google. Mm-hmm. And Alphabet is Google's parent company. And they are looking for people to partner with to work on drone studies with. Right. How can we do X with drones, basically? Yeah. So they decided to partner with a likely Alphabet conspirator in... Chipotle oh. to figure out how to do drone deliveries of burritos, and I believe what, what town are they doing this in? They're doing it in uh, they're doing it at Virginia Tech University is where they're doing this. Those at. lucky, you know what? I look, 
I've never been jealous of Virginia Tech. I, I'm a Hokie. I want to uh, be a Hokie. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I want to, you know, yeah, I, I want to be a Hokie right now. I would, I, I, having, if I could dial up Chipotle and have a drone deliver a burrito to me right now, I would do it. I would over do it right now. and over and over again. I would probably cut a hole in my roof so yeah. the drone could, like, mm-hmm. send me the bat signal and if right. something opens up and just drops in. Well, they say that uh, Alphabet picked this because of the problems that are associated with delivering burritos. <laughs> uh, like, you know, keeping it warm. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of heavy, you know, it's hard, you know, a little bit hard to, to get over, you know, how do you, how do you package something immediately and then give it to the drone to take it, all that stuff. There's a lot of logistics and, uh, they're, they're working through those problems and they're going to solve them. And then soon we will have robots delivering us, um, Chipotle. Thank you, science. I know. This is why I got into web development so that I could, uh, you know, be a part of something like this someday, somehow. Um, We're going to solve some real problems, Brian. That's right. How do we get burritos to people quicker? Look, I, I my thing is this. like, I don't need to be the one that does it. No. I just want it done. No. Yeah. If somebody else wants to take the glory, yeah. take and run with it. Exactly. Godspeed, friend. Exactly. Just just make the world a better place. and Namely my neighborhood. Drones deliver burritos. That's all we want. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll sign off on any legislation. I don't need a flying car. All I need is a flying robot, burrito. a flying robot burrito delivery service. That's all I need. <laughs> oh so, man, maybe they could partner with Amazon. Well, Amazon's already doing their own thing. They're kind of they're they're uh, they're they're cowboys out there. They don't need anybody else's help. Hey, they're in the tall grass, man. Yeah, they're doing it all wrong. Boxes, no way. Burritos, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, what's more friendly than a burrito? People get suspicious of boxes. See, flying around. I think Google. Out, outmaneuvered them there because here Amazon is trying to figure out how to deliver their own goods, and Alphabet's like, wait a minute, like what should we actually be delivering that people are going to be into? And it's mm-hmm. like, well, burritos, obviously, because everybody's going to be into that. So, no brainer. I mean, it's like one of those great ideas. It's so obvious. It's like right in front of you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, so Google was like, burritos. So yeah. I, I could see yeah. like a hipster going to the meeting, the big round table, <laughs> sits down, pops a piece of foil on the ground and says burritos guys let's do this let's do this (laughs) also warby parker sunglasses (laughs) i can get drones to deliver them uh well anyway so a toast to uh chipotle and alphabet cheers boys um, making delivering burritos happen via robots that is that's the best news i've heard all week great news i mean technology is amazing that's uh we truly live in the future glenn and uh wait now we live in the future now. Yeah, now. Yeah, now. Okay. Um, well, that means, Glenn, it's time for the... Um, Hot Buddy Topic! And this week, uh, Glenn, uh, there is a little internet uh, company out there. And I hesitate to call them a company because really they're just a service. They're really just adding a service to your browser. And uh, oh, it's... Yeah. It really helps out people, and it really does. I'm not being joking about that. I use it. Um, and this is a service called Adblock Plus. Now, Adblock Plus, as its name implies, blocks ads. Until today, when it actually started adding ads to Sh- the... Showing ads. <laughs> the, the plus means they block the ads, and then the plus is plus ads. They'll show you some as They'll well. show you some. They'll add some ads into the ads that they blocked. Adblock Plus. 
plus, plus some ads. Plus the, the, more. There's a little tag some ads. Adblock plus some ads. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, this Adblock plus thing is like one of the most popular ad blocking plugins, and they decided to have their own ad network where they have personally approved the ads that have to be run, uh, and they say that they are good ads and that they're whitelisting them to be able to be shown to the many people that have uh, installed this plugin. They have a marketplace that publishers can go and say, hey, Mm -hmm. I want my ads to still show even when they're blocked. Right. Help a brother out. Right. And there has to be a certain dimension. Mm -hmm. There has to pass all these specifications or whatever. They're good ads. Right. They're They're good good ads. ads. They're good ads. And for their trouble... Adbox Plus will take a cut of the cut ad of revenue. A little, little bit of cut. Yeah, a little, little bit. bit of something. Uh, I think this is a while back, but I want to say they had something like 300 million like users. Mm. That seems high. That does seem high. Yeah. 30? Maybe like 30 million. Yeah. 30 million. So apparently, I did some research here, Brian, and Adblock Plus has 100 million active users. It's a lot. And they just closed in on a billion downloads. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they have a lot. Yeah, my initial estimate of three hundred million was a little bit high mm-hmm. by three. Yeah, but right, hundred million, nothing to sneeze at. Right. My, so okay. basically, they're reselling a hundred million dollars worth of ads. They're yeah, yeah. Assuming somebody visit, you know, uses it a thousand times. Right. And you're like, yeah, basically, mm. if they, you know, sell it all. Yeah. Right. But huh? As a publisher, <laughs> right. We are a publisher of stuff because we, we, we actually have ads on gentleman.com. We do. They, yeah. they keep the site going. Mm-hmm. Uh, admittedly, sometimes they suck. Yeah. It's just... Well, I mean, I think that we, we try to keep it at a minimum. We do. Like, we only have two ads on our site. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, if you go to other sites, there's like 10 ads and stuff yeah. like that, yeah. you know? Uh, we, we wanted to put like the minimum that we possibly could to get by so that we weren't like messing with the user experience and basically. the least obtrusive yeah exactly so we, we we do have very few ads but there's still times where we we see an ad and we're like man I really wish yeah uh, ad networks are evil man they are evil they like except the ones that we work with <laughs> which are really great totally above we board we love them we yeah love they're them. really good um, uh, no they, they are pretty good the ones that we work with are usually they actually like, are like we vet all the ones that we work with <laughs> we've tried some that have been terrible yeah we've you know tested some that are terrible a lot of ad networks try to get away with the most they can possibly get away with. And we try to yep. nix that or whatever. So Adblock will only show ads on our site, like the approved ads on our site, if we tell them to. What do you mean? Or can any can 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 Chipotle go and say, hey, those gentlemen guys, I need an approved ad on their website. And I don't know. I don't know how it works. Because I think, I think it goes to the publisher. <clears throat> I think the publisher has to say, hey... Actually, I don't know how this works. I don't think... I think if Adblock was running on our site and they ran on an approved ad, yeah. I don't think that we would get any anything from it. Well, those shysters. So, there's a lot of things. This, this, I didn't even think about that, Brian. There's a lot of competing things that work here. One, they're an Adblock company, but they're selling ads. Mm-hmm. You just let, they're that, replacing just let that resonate for a while. Let that marinate a little bit in your brain. Yeah. <clears throat> that's that's yeah. not... Yeah. Two, um, that's kind of like an antitrust... Like, yeah, because they're kind of like cornering the market on that, you know. Yeah, 100 million active users, <laughs> but and at the same time, also, uh, well, I don't, I don't know. We, I, I, yeah, we've we've had problems with AdBlock before, though. I think it's AdBlock Plus, but they're actually blocking our 
style sheets for our yeah. site, which basically means if you showed up to our site, it looked like crap if you were using Adblock because they accidentally uh, put a rule in that was too generic. Mm-hmm. And our Amazon AWS uh, S3 style stuff... Where we, where we host all our code, basically. Yeah. Uh, w- was flagged as a potential ad server. <laughs> so, so, so basically they blocked like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, 15 or 20% of the internet from yeah. stuff accidentally... They thought, and, yeah, they thought Gentleman was a big ad, basically. Right. And so we had to, like, contact them and say, hey, uh, you know, you, you can't do this. Like, this mm-hmm. is messed up. And they were, I mean, to their credit, they were quick to respond and, like, fix it as soon as we noticed it and told them about it. And we actually had a user point it out to us yeah. that, you know. We why, wouldn't have known. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. But. Because um, I don't use that plugin. I don't use that particular plugin. Right. I had yeah. seen it because I, I used that one. Okay. And, and I had seen it happen. And I just didn't dive into it too much yeah um but then it was like okay so uh anyway but yeah uh, the, the, here's the thing that's weird about this is that what happens in life like all the stuff is basically like somebody gets too greedy mm-hmm. about something and then somebody responds because they, they find a way to kind of turn the tide and then those people get too greedy and then it's like this weird back and forth where you know this is going to cause some waves. Adblock Plus doing this is going to be weird, and something's mm-hmm. going to happen from it. And it will either, you know, make ad blocking more robust, or people will be like, "Okay, this can't. You can't continue to do this. You can't build an ad network off of blocking ads." You know what I mean? Right. So, well, anyway, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And they say, you know, this won't, you know, take away from the user experience. But the the thing is, is that people use ad blockers because they don't want to see ads. Right. They don't want to see ads. And when you add ads in, they're probably going to switch to a different ad blocking yeah. program. Brian, that's our next project. Ad blocker. Ad blocker that won't sell you an ad. Until like we get a lot of users. And then maybe we will. If you pay for it. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Only nine ninety nine. The thing that's a double-edged sword about the whole ad thing is people people don't like ads. And I get it. Like, yeah. I really do. I don't like ads either. Especially when it's on sites that are the ads suck. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if we if we didn't have advertisements on Gentleman, mm-hmm. we would have to shut the site down. Mm-hmm. So if everybody used an ad blocker that visited Gentleman, mm-hmm. we would have to shut the site down. Mm-hmm. So to further complicate things, we have tried selling direct ads. Right. So just like you basically yeah. put an image and a link up on our site, right? Simple, not evil, and you know. and the pro- and it is just it is not. It's not a profitable. I mean, like you can't. It's it's impossible. Yeah, you can't do these one-off deals, and and everybody wants something different. They want to track Track it a different way. way Like, no, you can't do that anyway. So, so, and we we tried doing that at the at the very beginning, gentlemen, and it just kind of never worked out. So, Mm -hmm. this is it's awful. I mean, it's just there's no good. There's no good from this, right? Well, we'll politics. Yeah, (laughs) no good's gonna come. It really is. Yeah. Well, anyway, Adblock Plus ads. Adblock Plus. Uh, we, we wish you luck. I'm interested to see how many of their users that use their product to block ads are going to be copacetic with them adding ads back into the thing that they're supposed to be blocking ads with. Right. Seems like a moonshot. I wonder if they're having a hard time making money or what the story is. I don't know. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, and... And that would cause people to stop using their site. And then there goes their whole, you know, claim to 100 million. Right. 
Well, anyway. Yeah. Ryan. Okay, Glenn. Well, I'm glad we're not the uh, the people behind Adblock Plus right now. For once, we're not the villains. Exactly. Uh, definitely. Let somebody take the heat for the while. Yeah. Adblock know. Plus. Exactly. Keep it going, boys. Yeah. Might as well. <laughs> uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the final segment of the podcast, which is the question from the questions. Yes, from plural. the gentleman mailbag this week. Uh, we got a few uh, interesting replies. We had a couple people on the gentleman parlor that reached out to us and said, "Hey, these are the burning questions I have, um, and we want some answers." Mm-hmm. And uh, me and Glenn are going to rise to the occasion. We're going to answer these questions mm-hmm. one by one, no matter how hard hitting and honest we have to be. We're going to do it. Asks us, what would constitute a perfect day for you, Glenn? Well, I would start off by seeing a few arpeggios. Right. Uh, maybe a sonata. Sound of music kind of right. thing. Right. I would, uh, you know, maybe go, go get a P.G. Woodhouse book. Mm-hmm. Read it aloud to my lover under a willow tree. Wow. This got heated pretty fast. <laughs> hey, it's only one day. I got to move quick here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Maybe All right. Make, maybe make lunch. Uh, listen to Taylor Swift. Hmm. Nice. Wow. Uh, then I would. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe go to my mm-hmm. my my lodge. My, okay. my family lodge. Right. Maybe say some vows. Contemplate life. Right. And faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, I wouldn't do that because I'm not dumb. Uh, okay, that was me. Uh, what would I do? Perfect day. I actually would like. To, I love the mornings. I love you know drinking coffee in the morning, right. the quiet right. of the morning, um, which I don't have because I have two small children. So right. I would like something. Whoa, oh, Brian's getting Oktoberfest. <laughs> actually, you didn't spill any. Good job. No, it was a good work. Okay. Anyway. Ugh. Okay. Right. Perfect day. Early morning. Mm-hmm. Wake up. Yeah. And. Coffee mm-hmm. and just you know enjoy a morning, a quiet, right. cool morning, like a crisp morning. Maybe mm-hmm. in the mountains, right? Oh yeah, mountains. now we're talking. That would be good. Yeah. Oh man, mm-hmm. there's nothing finer than a hot cup of Joe sitting out looking over some mountains. In Absolutely, the morning. yeah. Oh yeah. By the way, we're getting some weather right now. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, Mother Nature, yeah, she is rearing her ugly head right now, and mm. it's not fit for man or beast out there. Uh, anyway, moving along, uh, perfect day. Um, then I would, gosh, I don't know. I have to split my time between finding tax, commenting on tax, liking tax, uh, finding things for the parlor, right? commenting on things in the parlor. Right. All great things. All fun uh, things. And doing a lot of grilling. Yeah. I, I actually do really like grilling. That would mm-hmm. probably be part of it. I love mm-hmm. cooking right. on, on the grill. Mm-hmm. It's a very, oh, and a cigar. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And that's about it. What about you, Brian? Yeah. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Hodgepodge. Yeah, it's a very... Look, this is just off the top of my head. Okay. I can't really, you know, say that this would be my perfect day. Mm-hmm. But what would be a good day? Uh, I wake up at my house here. Okay. At the fortress. Yes. Uh, you wake up, you know, pretty early. Yeah. It's a nice day. Mm-hmm. It's a nice fall day. It's Ooh, fall. Fall you know in Kansas. I mean? Yep. Uh, get some coffee going. Uh, head on down to my shop, my yeah. wood shop Ooh. in the basement that yeah. I've completely finished and redone because I haven't done that yet. <laughs> right. But right. If I did, then I head back down Ron Swanson style to my wood shop. Right. Where I'm continuing to work on my, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, swan sculpture, mm. uh, wood ornament stuff mm. that I'm doing for uh, uh, Christmas gifts for the kids for Christmas. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I work all morning in the wood shop, and then uh, I have a b- brief respite. I come mm-hmm. up. I uh, have a little, uh, you know, maybe some uh, eggs on toast. Ooh. You know, something like that. Now, wait. In the toast or on it? You know, on, on toast. Eggs okay. On toast. Have you ever made maybe the some in biscuits the... and gravy oh, or something on the side? Oh, now we're talking. You know, something, eggs and toast oh. and biscuits and gravy or something. Something like that. Anyway, I sit out on my deck. I enjoy a nice kind of brunch thing going on. Yeah. And then uh, after that, I retire to my office where I do uh, do some significant work on web, building building things on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, you know, have a nice dinner, nice candlelight dinner with Laura. Ooh. Uh, after after building both, uh, you know, solid projects, yeah. wood, wood projects and internet projects. Oh, man. Then I have a nice dinner. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I finish that up with a movie over at Liberty Hall. Oh, nice! And nice. have a relaxing end of the day. Nice. Uh, maybe a maybe a little glass of uh, Old Granddad in there somewhere. <laughs> a few glasses glasses of Old Granddad. Uh, a bottle of Old Granddad. <laughs> uh, somewhere in there. Lo- yeah. Uh, but that, yeah, that that pretty much be it. Nice. That's that just off the good. top of my head. Yeah. That's pretty good for off the top of your head. I, wow. I didn't. Yeah. Mine yeah. was kind of random. That's uh, that would be a good day. Biscuits and gravy has to be in my perfect day. That would be a good day. Biscuits, biscuits and gravy, oh. you know, a, a nice little eggs, biscuits and gravy, something Drop else. style, you know. Yeah, having a wood shop, working on stuff, you know, building. I'm building a shed. That's what I'm doing. I'm building mm. a shed mm. out mm. back, mm. a shed for cigars and sports and uh, you know beers, Th- things you can't actually do in the house. Right. Yeah. Uh, mm. Okay. So I'm building a shed out back at my in my wood shop. And then I spend my afternoon working on the internet. I have an idea, Brian. What if your shed was just like a walk-in humidor that you could do other things? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. As well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. That, that's that's just a couple ideas. Okay, I, I revise my answer. So I want gonna, Brian's perfect day. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna revise that. That's a good that's a good thing to think about. It's a good exercise. It is a good exercise because it makes you like makes me think. I, I started to think about this and I was like, you know, why don't I do that tomorrow? Yeah. Nothing stopped me. Yeah. I could do that tomorrow if I wanted to. You could do that tomorrow. Maybe I will. Maybe I will, Glenn. Maybe you um, should. Okay, Glenn. Well, we have a couple more questions, and they're both from the same user. Uh, our good buddy Razorback, who uh, is a legend mm-hmm. uh, in many respects, mm-hmm. but obviously at Gentleman.com, for one. Uh, he asks us, what would you consider to be the basic attributes of a true gentleman? Mm, That's a good question. It is a good question. This is something that we are faced with often. Yeah. You know, after, after creating the mm-hmm. site that men were, quote unquote, supposed to flock to, mm-hmm. this gets coupled with that often. Mm. Uh, I remember when we were doing interviews for a bunch of fancy pants stuff, uh, publications back in the day when we first started. What is manly content? Yeah. What is what is manliness? What is And we're both like, well... It is. Who's to say what it is? Yeah. Manliness is in the eye of the beholder. That's right. So, I will say this. A true gentleman, I believe, is someone, and I would not put myself uh, always in this category. I, I, try, I strive for this. Mm. Is someone who is able to control their you know, response, but emotion... Mm. Uh, 
when needed to. Okay. That's very vague. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, someone who's able to <clears throat> have input and and then instead of responding with what, whatever is the first response, to be able to think mm-hmm. and to respond in a way that is, uh, you know, appropriate for the okay. situation. Now, if that guy from the racing, the uh, 120-mile-an-hour right. came by and he, you know... I would respond a different way to him than I would. Sometimes you got to lay the law down. <laughs> That's right. Got to know when to hold them and got to know when to fold them. That's right. Um, anyway, so th- I think a true gentleman knows how to respond to to be to be humble and to, re- to respond in a scenario even when it's not easy to. Mm-hmm. And I'm not by any means able to do that right. most of the time, mm-hmm. but I try to. Mm-hmm. So okay, that that's just one aspect, Brian. Okay. What about, what about you? Uh, a few things come to mind. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to... First of all, I think the most important aspect of a gentleman is honesty. Mm. Being honest with the people around you, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. Being honest and true to yourself. Mm. Important. Second of all, um, caring about your friends and family. Mm-hmm. Making them the top priority. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really important. Making sure that people around you know how much you care about them. Mm-hmm. Really important. Mm-hmm. But I think the most telling aspect of a true quote-unquote gentleman, I think, is uh, the secret to being a gentleman, Ooh. if you will. Here's a book. I'm about to reveal. The book needs to okay. come out. Uh, and I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but I'm going to try to. Um, the secret to being a gentleman is never making the people around you feel uncomfortable. Mm, being a gracious host. Being a gracious host. And, you know, always trying to put people at ease mm. or when they're around you. Off-putting. No. Off-putting's bad. <laughs> the I'm, opposite. I'm putting, I'm on putting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's the secret to being a gentleman. Because that is, yeah. things happen in the course of having dinner with somebody or uh, speaking with them. Maybe they misspeak about something. Mm-hmm. It's always about putting people at ease and mm-hmm. making them feel comfortable with you. Mm-hmm. And making them feel like they can talk to you about stuff, and that's okay, mm-hmm. and you're not going to judge them for it. Yeah, it's about making them. Th- that's being a gentleman. Is mm-hmm. is not you know if somebody does something unseemly or you know whatever. It's that you don't. It doesn't matter to you. Yeah, because you don't. You don't. You're not. You're confident. Exactly. You're, you, don't, you don't care. You don't mind. Yeah. It's you enjoy talking to that person, and it doesn't matter what they say or do or anything like that. That they're very comfortable with you speaking with you. Hmm. Um, and I find that that's something that's very hard to pull off. In a lot of situations, especially when you start thinking about people that, uh, you know, maybe you go talk to the CEO of some company or something like that. Yeah. And you, you have to, you almost have to be able to, uh, to, to handle that situation, you know. Yeah. And be uh, totally at ease with it, you know. Mm. But uh, I think that, you know, the key to being a gentleman is treating everybody, whether they're a CEO or the janitor, the same way that you care about them. Yeah. That you want to put them at ease and allow them to talk to you um, about whatever they want to talk to you about. Brian, your answer was way better than mine. So, uh, so yeah. So anyway, well, wow, that's good. I, I think that's that. That would be my take on it. That's if I really, rich and delicious, yeah, right there, mm-hmm. deep, a little bit of insight there. Mm. And you can learn more uh, when I put my book out, uh, How to Be a Modern Gentleman, uh, by Brian Ski uh, Press Media. How to Be um, a Modern Gentleman? Gentleman. Um, 
Anyway, uh, and we have one more final question from Razorback, and uh, this uh, he he asks us, "How does one go about photo bombing a podcast?" This is tricky. Uh, asking for a friend. Yeah. Now, uh, some people might recall that uh, I made the sly comment uh, a couple episodes back, where uh, we were talking about Razorback and how he finds his way on every podcast episode, uh, and I said something about how if. Uh, Razorback wasn't mentioned on the podcast, he'd find a way to photobomb his way into said podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Razorback is playing coy here. Mm-hmm. He's pretending like he doesn't understand how he can photobomb the podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we both know mm-hmm. that uh, Razorback knows exactly how he can photobomb the podcast. He's just, you know, throwing it out there. Just being a Razorback. Exactly. So, uh, look, we're not going to, you know... We're not going to get into this. We're not going to dignify that with a response. That's right, Razorback. Uh, I, 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 you're playing coy. We get it. We hear you. We understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know how this is going to go. We're tipping our cap. <laughs> uh, we both know that Razorback is going to find a way to photobomb the podcast. <laughs> we know it. All too well. One of these days. One of these days. It's going to happen. I'm going to edit the podcast. I'm going to put it up on the server. And all of a sudden, there's going to be Razorback in there somewhere. Uh, so anyway... Uh, that concludes the questions for the gentleman mailbag. That's the end of the episode. That's the end of episode ninety-seven, Glenn. Uh, so much good stuff. What a, what an episode it was. It uh, it was here, there, and everywhere. Churches made in the form of chickens. Yep. People breaking the law over and over and over and over again to make a silly record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of lots of interesting stuff. Wow. Uh, anyway, uh, well, uh, I encourage you to go buy some Hofbrau Oktoberfest. Yes. Uh, you know we'll. We'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll drink some more of this. It's a really good beer. I, I do like it, yeah. Do you, for, have for, you warmed up to it a little bit? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Because your first take was kind of, kind of yeah. threw you off a little you bit. You know, it's this green bottle thing. The whole green bottle thing's a little weird. Oh, man. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're used to brown here in the States. It's true. Brown bottle guy. Brown and down. Yeah. Well, I do, I do drink High Life. Oh. With, that's to have a clear bottle. So that's, you know. Oh. So I can't complain too much about the green. By the way, uh, in the upcoming winks, winks? Nobody winked at me uh, yet, except Brian just did right there. In the upcoming <laughs> weeks, uh, we will be reviewing, I, I, if Brian's okay with this, mm. a... Um, this is news to me. <laughs> the Penny Stout oh, at some point. Of course. Yes. Uh, well, we, we must. We we'll, have to. Uh, yeah, I'm brewing that this weekend. So it'll be okay. at least a month, probably... Six weeks. Wow. Well, so, so we'll be in Christmas time before we get into... Yeah, but that's a good time for a stout, right? Yeah. Well, six right? weeks, are we talking about... November. So, yeah, it'll be November. Yeah. So, so maybe Halloween time? Oh, yeah, we could. I have to do the math on the... We have, yeah, we got, we'll, well, we don't want to rush it. You don't want to no. rush spring beer. No, no, you don't. And the problem is that I got to... Con- the little guys have to worry about... That the big players don't have to worry about is the bottle conditioning. Right. So we we the the beer ages in the bottle and mm-hmm. changes in right. the bottle condition as opposed to these guys who are just tapping it and going on, you know, cheaters. Wham bam. Thanks for the beer. Thank you, beer, yeah. and they're gone. Yeah, right. So, but not me. No, stick it around. I stay you're, with the. I stay with. You're holding the beer next to you in bed and uh, cuddling up to it. That's that's real good of you, dude. My wife, my wife doesn't really appreciate that, but you know, it's what I got to do. And when you make, you you'll know, do anything for beer. Fifty at a time. Yeah, gotta, exactly. Okay. Do takes. Well, uh, anyway, on that note, because it's been asked for, right, to be reviewed, and we'll we'll do it. We'll, we'll
will definitely do that. Absolutely. All right. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that uh, means it's time for the episode. Oh. Uh, I am Brian McKinney. I'm Glenn Sansbury. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will catch you in two weeks, and it will be October. Wow. Wow. That is pretty frightening. It is frightening. In a great way. In a great way. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. See you guys next time. Good night. Adios.